everybody and welcome back to the PWZ. We are returning tonight. This is the Professor Rick Del Santo and joining me, my favorite co-host out of everyone, the Guardian of Chaos, Big Daddy. What's going on? Professor, uh, can you hear me? How am I coming in? I'm 20 feet below the surface of the earth down here in the bunker of Chaos Corner, Professor. Oh, you're coming in? A-okay. Well, I appreciate you having me back on. It's been a while since I've been on PWZ. I believe this could be my fourth appearance on the PWZ with the professor. I believe so. I believe so. So I'm looking forward to it. We always have a good time when we're uh, together chatting the world of professional wrestling. You, you know what, Professor, I feel like we're sitting in a pub somewhere or a restaurant or a bar or maybe even a, in a nostalgic record store just shooting a breeze like brothers do. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. We have a lot of information. So what do you got for the fans, Professor? Man, AEW killed it last night with their main event. The first time women had main event in an AEW show. And I got to tell you, it was incredible. Uh, not to mention, they had a really good show underneath. Not to mention, the NWA is coming back. But first, we're going to get into Dynamite. Uh, the opening show, I, di I didn't catch the first match, but it was Penta and Cody Rhodes. Did you happen to see this? Well, uh, I absolutely did. Last night, uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. It really was an unbelievable show. Uh, I know the ratings came out. I know that in some of the quarter hour rankings, Professor, they went over a million viewers. But I believe wow. average last night was about 800,850, uh, according to Alvarez. The, the ratings just came across the timeline. And I know they did, once again, swamp NXT. So with that being said, and I also am looking forward, and you tell me, because I, I don't know the date. Is it this weekend? or next weekend that the NWA is coming back? Uh, it's this weekend. This Sunday, uh, they come back with Back for the Attack, their pay-per-view. I have the card uh, so far was um, been released. And uh, who else is supposed to appear? And then they're doing TV tapings the two days following. So they're going to be returning. They signed an exclusive deal with uh, Fight for Distribution as well. So they're offering a low-cost bundle um, so uh, the fans can get their show. Well, I'm cost. glad that NWA is back, Professor. All this Me too. It is just, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about the market being oversaturated or is it too much? And, and I guess if you're a new breed or, or if you don't really like the product, you're old school, I guess maybe you think it's oversaturation. But we will virtually have, depending on what night NWA is going to go to, we could virtually have, if you count pay-per-views and special events, professional wrestling seven nights or six nights a week professor they're going to be returning 605 every tuesday now mind you uh, like you're right wrestling is on every day of the week between the streaming devices uh apps like fight and and uh iwtv and all the others man I don't think even as a height in the 80s and early 90s, there was not this much wrestling on television. This is well, not even in, not even in the territory days. And, and I understand, right? Professor, you, you're a historian. I know that you personally 
follow every group from the major leagues down to the independents. And I consider professional wrestling to be a lot like baseball. You have your A ball, your double A, your triple A, and then the major leagues. And now fans of the PWZ, if you know the professor, you know that he covers it all from soup to nuts. Me personally, I'm going to just break it down quickly for your fans of PWZ. I don't like that the NWA is going to be 605 on Tuesdays. I like the concept, but Professor, you tell me, I want to pick your brain. What about putting the tradition back to 605 on a Saturday night? I mean, I think that would be perfect. There's going to be a lot of competition on Tuesdays, brother. Dude, Tuesdays is loaded. loaded. Seriously. Well, let's look at now it. The NWA, anyway, break it down. NWA, okay. Uh, AEW Dark, Impact, and uh, there's something else on this. I think there's something else. Anyways, man, this is incredible. Tuesdays is probably the most loaded. I mean, Wednesdays is pretty good. But also, wait, um, NXT is moving to Tuesdays the week after WrestleMania as well. Correct. Is that going to fare well? Is that going to fare well for Impact? That's another thing. You got to think. I mean, how many people are really watching Impact to begin with? It's really hard to get uh, to get the show if you're not uh, if you don't get access TV because not a lot of cable systems carry that. They'll do, they'll uh, stream it on Twitch, but even then, half well, the time that doesn't work on my laptop. Fans could, fans could watch yeah. uh, Impact There's on always Twitch for free, yeah. and they do yeah. a, a pretty damn good job of putting out on social media right while the matches are happening so you could at least catch clips or highlights. But but to your point, if, if you want to talk about, and I'm not even going to talk about what's on Fight TV and all the great independents that are especially in the Northeast area, because and even down south, I mean, we could mention everything from Northeast Wrestling to SWE Fury to Great North. I, there's so many different great promotions. Right. But let's let's look at the major leagues, Professor, if you will, for a second. Seven nights a week, just about. That's just why I think NWA should go to 605 on Saturdays. And, and I'm going to reach out to Billy. And I know that, you're, that you have talked to guys from the NWA podcast. Uh, uh, Gary Horn is a friend of yours and a follower. And I know you have a lot of connections. But I think we should throw that out there for 605 Saturdays just for the tradition. And there's nothing else, Professor. Right. I got to tell you, 605 on a Tuesday is really difficult. I'm just getting home from work most of the time. And, you know, between driving kids to sports, all this other stuff, 605 is difficult for a lot of viewers. I have uh, purchased the bundle, subscription, subscribe to the bundle package. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things we're going to have to watch it later on in the night after the night settles down. Um, but I am really, really looking forward to uh, to Sunday and Tuesday of the return well, of the NWA. Well, here I think we go, Professor. Yep. Here we go on the lineup. Mondays, this is the way, this is the way it looks like it's going to break out. Mondays, you already have Monday Night Raw, which is probably, in my opinion, not the best. You know, I'm yeah. positive. A three-hour program. I don't like the product. But Monday, do you have Raw? Mm -hmm. AEW Elevation on YouTube now with, with Big Show and Tony Schiavone. Tuesdays, you have Impact on Access and on, and on Twitch. You also have AEW Dark, which is expanding like you wouldn't believe on YouTube. Throw in the NWA now at 6.05. Wednesdays and NXT is moving to Tuesdays. So that's right. four different programs. Let's go to Wednesdays. You still have AEW Dynamite, which is going to dominate, but MLW Fusion is also on Wednesdays. 
Friday night, you have SmackDown. Saturdays and Sundays are your pay-per-views and special events. The only night that's really open is Thursday nights. Or you can go to a Saturday at 6.05. That's the lineup. Unless I'm missing something, uh, Professor. Tell me if I missed something in that lineup. I don't think there's necessarily anything particular on cable Thursday nights. Uh, I believe that there's, you know, random indie streaming, such as Fight. I mean, you know, I'm on Fight. One of the shows we forgot to mention on Monday nights is Ring of Honor is on Fight as well. How could I have forgotten that? I mean, yeah, that's throw my hands up in the air. Ring of Honor's on Mondays because I catch it on on Nessun. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you catch it on cable. I catch it on the um, on the Fight app on Monday nights. It streams at seven o'clock. Okay, that show I I make sure to sit down and watch every week because honestly, they've been on fire lately. Ever since they've returned with the Pure Tournament and and they're doing just a lot of that Pure uh, Division wrestling. It's been oh my god, it's been so good lately. And I'm a big fan of Ring of Honor as well. And I don't know how I, that was an oversight. So just look at all the different products. So if, if you think about it, if I was starting a company, if the professor in the Guardian of Chaos were to start a pro- professional wrestling promotion, I mean, I don't know if I would head on into the nights where there's two and three other shows for the NWA, especially it's, it's when, very when Billy's coming back and you've been gone for so long. You, you should come back and grab attention on a Thursday or Saturday. That's just my opinion. But either way, look at the wrestling out there, Professor. This is like the territory days. We're opening up from the pandemic and COVID. It's going to be an unbelievable summer. Maybe not with the government, but with pro- for professional wrestling, it will be. <laughs> Some of the places, uh, WrestleMania announced tickets go on sale tomorrow. 36% capacity in the arena. Now, tickets are probably the cheapest they've been in years. The cheapest cheapest ticket is like 36 bucks or 35 bucks, And the most expensive, I think, is 250 So those, that's like a bargain price for WrestleMania tickets right there. And so that's going to be 30, 36% capacity. But even still, after April, a lot of places are going to be doing full-capacity events, which I well, think is crazy. And again, two nights of WrestleMania again, two nights of mm-hmm. NXT. Takeover, the Hall of Fame. There's a bunch of indie shows that are usually run around WrestleMania right. week. WrestleCon there in Tampa. Yeah. Correct. Uh, listen, yeah. I have to be honest with you. I, I'm. I'll watch it. It's history, but I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not liking a lot of things coming out. But to your opening here at PWZ, uh, AEW Dynamite, and, and not to change the subject and get off what we were talking about and capacity and all that. Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker last night. Professor, every show started off with that, whether it was JD from New York, whether it was Don Tony or on Busted Open Radio. It, it was the last match. It, yeah. Right. It was the main event. Yeah. But give me your impressions, and, and we could bounce this back and forth with the fans on Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker in the main event last night. I gotta tell you, in the last year or so, how long has AEW been on? About a year and a half, television-wise? About a a year and a half, Professor. She's really come into her own. She's improved greatly, especially on the microphone, because we know she'd come out and she wasn't that great. Thunder Rosa is on a whole nother level. She's a top-level wrestler. And I didn't expect this match. It's supposed to be a lights-out match. And this match, and I didn't know really what to expect. All of a sudden, Britt Baker pulls out that bag of thumbtacks. I was like, holy shit. You know, in a normal wrestling, you can watch any normal wrestling match by today's standards. You're going to see a table or a chair. And then all of a sudden, it got a little grody. There's a lot of blood. I've never seen women so bleed so much like that in a wrestling match. I mean, this was 
the match itself, though, I think I have to. I'm calling it now. It's March what? March 18th. It's going to be up there for match of the year. It's going to be up there in. I'm telling you, that's one of the best matches I've seen so far in the last three months. I was I was amazed by it. And those two girls worked their asses off to put on what a show they put on for for the fans. And and in my opinion, uh, Professor, the reason why Rosa and Baker were so good last night, first off, as you said, first ever ladies main event, lights out match, no time limit, balls count anywhere, no disqualification, unsanctioned, anything goes, whatever you want to say. And that's why Reby was such an integral part in there coming down with the crutch, which was used in the match. And then her herself took an incredible bump off that drop kick to outside right. onto the table. So give these ladies credit. Thunder Rosa is already an athlete from MMA, and she is the hottest commodity in female wrestling right now, perhaps in all of wrestling, male or female. They haven't given her her play. There's been issues with the NWA, I guess, going back and forth, maybe even with Rosa herself for not signing a contract. But after what happened last night, and Britt Baker could possibly be one of the most improved wrestlers in AEW. What happened last night from the graveyards of Tijuana and Thunder Rosa, it was unbelievable. Different things that stuck out to me that I'd like to break down. It was a very physical match. And to see the two ladies in a crimson mask and busted open. I'm not sure if Rosa bladed. Rosa might, or, or Baker, I'm sorry. Baker got hit with the chair. I mean, she got with, good. With, the, with, the, yeah. uh, with the ladder shot in the face. I think she was busted open the hard way. That's wow. my opinion. Rumors have it. Wow. I, I wasn't there in Jacksonville, but to see the two ladies, whether they bladed or she was busted open the hard way, that was something that you don't see in this business. That WWE would never do that. And if you think about the different moves, Baker really dominated Thunder Rosa in this match. If you break it down, Professor. For a while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she opened up hot. I mean, Baker was all over. And she's really improved. I mean, as in ring, on mic, this match was just incredible. And then, did you see the rolling around in the thumbtacks? I was just like, ugh, they were... It was, I hadn't seen something like that in probably 30 years. You know what I mean? It's been a long time. Well, I don't watch, I don't watch deathmatch stuff really anymore. Like that stuff that was pretty hot in the early to mid nineties with Terry Funk and Mick Foley and stuff. By the way, Mick Foley approved of the match, by the way. I don't know if you saw that on social media. He, uh, he was watching and gave it a thumbs up so <laughs> that he liked it. Well, it, it was different for sure. It caught everyone's attention. Yep. I've been involved as a manager in several hardcore matches, thumbtacks, barbed wire, fire. The top rope suplex uh, with Thunder Rosa, with Baker onto the ladder and onto the chairs, The second, it was unbelievable maneuver. What those ladies pulled off and, and what they did last night, they didn't have to work that hard. Yeah. It, it really was incredible. If I go through my notes, even the face stomp, that Britt Baker gave to Thunder Rosa on the steel chair. She sold that like you wouldn't believe into the stands, the chair shots. It reminded me of an old school ECW match. And for the ladies to do this, this was groundbreaking. Uh, And I usually don't, you and I have been talking now for, for, for a handful of years, professor about women's wrestling, intergender wrestling, transgender wrestling, every different thing. Um, And we've talked about, 
what we like, what we don't like. And the, to see that last night, I was proud. And you know what? And I'm going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. I'm glad there was not really any outside interference except for Reby. And you know who I'm glad more than anything that didn't show up? Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose. Last night, I saw two female competitors that were put on a, a female grapplers that put on an unbelievable matchup, which was fair and square, mono a mono, so to speak, with no interference and no Nyla Rose. Hey, listen, it's a touchy subject, especially here in, in, in high school sports, classic sports, the NCAA, about training transgender and this or that. And I'm going to come right out and say it. I don't care if anyone comes at me or gives me any heat about it. That's the way I feel about it. You're ruining a lot of people's lives by having this, make it a separate division. I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm not judging anyone. I'm not doing any of the above. Live and let live. I'm all for equality. Listen, I get it. Put it in a separate division. Make a division. You have female division, male division. You, you have uh, different intergender things. Have a transgender division. Am I, if I'm speaking out of place here, I, I really don't care. It's just not fair if you're going to do it. So I was glad more than that to see two legit female grapplers do what they did last night. And if I offended anyone, I'm not apologizing because I'm not attacking anybody. Hey, I tell it like it is, Professor. <laughs> this I do know. Um, anyway, that was, it ended up just being match of the night it started off strong and i mean you know the main event just took over and it was like it was a great long wait for that two hours to get to that event um we'll talk about intergender wrestling another time i'd like to hold do a whole nother episode no, that was just a quick here because i, I could do a whole i don't know ladies i know there's a lot of people that are fans of it uh i don't get it personally it's not my my thing that i like um i'm not trying to offend anybody but it's a very touchy subject in the world of professional wrestling for some reason, and I don't get it. But maybe I don't know. I just don't. Listen, I don't it's, think it's, it, the professor, it's, it's not that I don't get it. I get it. Everyone wants to be who they want to be, and I'm not here to rain on that. And that's all well and good. Live and let live. I love everybody. Everyone deserves to be live the life they want to be, and that's what America and freedom is all about. And I know we're getting off on the subject here, but mm. when it comes to what's right, oh, it's fair. That's what I'm talking about. Well, <laughs> one of the things I want to say is I've thought about intergender wrestling. It's like, you know. Uh, oh, inter intergender? Now, I don't mind. I, I thought we were talking about the whole well, Taylor Rose thing. Yeah, Intergender, you know, I don't mind. It depends really, on the yeah. source. Right. Um, you got to look back. That's like a huge hot thing. Are you there? Are you frozen? Yeah, I'm right here, Professor. Okay. One of the things that I say is. I've been thinking about this. It's a really big thing on the independent circuit. Now WWE is supposed to be doing it this uh, this Sunday at Fastlane. Who knows if that's actually going to happen, though, because it could be just a way to lose the fans and for the Fiend to come back. Were they the first group to do it, intergender wrestling, back in the day with uh, China and Chris Jericho? Or did anything like that happen prior? Because I thought about that. I was like, they could have very well been... The first group to do it, I don't know for certain, but at the same time, that was a whole different level. China was on a whole different level than a lot of these people oh, that are. Absolutely. She's a fall of famer. She's a groundbreaker. She's a pioneer. It definitely was one of the first times that intergender uh, went mainstream, and she was the lady to do it. I mean, there's no right. two ways about it. Uh, to go back into history, that would be something that would be really interesting. We know where a lot of the intergender 
came from to begin with. And that's the legendary Andy Kaufman, who st mm. started that years ago, back in the and 80s, yeah. with Jerry King Waller, yeah, and, and that whole work. But as far as legit, I mean, there's no two ways about it. China was the was the the pioneer. But that's that's a great question, Professor. Listen, you're the historian. You should know this, but whether Mae Young Kaufman. or Bula. I'm sure they did. The Andy Kaufman thing I always thought was just um, it's just a bunch of uh, you know to try to make him look weak against Lawler or whatever. You know what I mean? Make him look like a punk. I mean, it, yeah, maybe I'm getting maybe I'm not saying it right, but it was just I, I didn't think that it was uh, really something spectacular like uh, they make it out to be in the modern age as far as that kind of stuff goes. Well, while it was going on. Uh, during the 80s, I, I, I was in my uh, middle 20s at that point. I remember it like yesterday, and especially when, when Kaufman and Lawler were, were on David Letterman. I was a huge Letterman fan. I remember, I remember that. not being a big fan of it, Professor, back then while it was happening. But I look back now on historical point of it and what it did. And for you know that you and I are a little different in certain things. You like it pure in the ring, which I love also. But I am big, as you well know, and as you can see with the entertainment value also of pro wrestling, whether it be right. watching uh, uh, t Tuesday Night Titans back in the day, uh, all the different TV shows that Vince McMahon had on, vignettes, promos. I'm big on that because I think that's half the business, maybe two-thirds besides the physical part of performing in the ring. Well, that's the way to help get the guys over, get attract people to the crowd, or the, the crowd to the arenas, is the vignettes and all this other stuff. You get what I'm saying? You try to help get the guys over. So I, I understand all that business. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's just, when it comes down to it, I'm definitely like an in-ring guy, and I like the more technical style. When I was younger, of course, I liked, I just watched anything, and, and it was crazy, but then it got overdone. You know what I mean? All the hardcore stuff and all the ECW became everybody tried to copy ECW basically, and then everything. So it wasn't there was nothing special anymore about that that kind of style. Well, I'm going to give you my opinion. I love all professional wrestling as long as it's the way it's supposed to be. Right. By that, I'm not talking about new school versus old school. I'm talking about. I'm not down with any of this backyard wrestling bullshit. I'm not down with any of this untrained wrestling stuff. I'm not down <laughs> with any of this. <laughs> I'm not down with half that. of AEW is backyard wrestling, according yeah. to Cornette. Uh, Professor Rick, are you hating <laughs> on AEW right now? No. It's, it's no, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I want people to look the part. I want yes. you to walk into the arena, come down the aisle, walk to the ring. I want to be able to see you and have you look the part, act the part, be the part. Not some guy in a ripped shirt or, uh, or ripped jeans or, or someone who hasn't been trained or in somebody's backyard. To me, that's not professional wrestling. You keep it in the ring. You do it the right way. and You've been properly trained. I can watch it anywhere. It's like my love, as you can see behind me, of Major League Baseball. I can go to City Field or Yankee Stadium or, or Fenway Park and, and watch professional baseball, especially my Metropolitans, and I can go to a Little League World Series game or or 
Legion ball and sit there and watch 10 games in 90 degree heat. That's how much I love it. I feel the same way about professional wrestling. I could sit at Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling and sit there like you've done in the past and watch three shows in one day. That's how much I love professional wrestling if it's done the right way as baseball. And as you can see, uh, my new podcast, uh, The Mets Report here in Chaos Corner. I want you fans to check it out. But that's how I feel about it, Professor. Where can they find that podcast? On YouTube? Uh, on the Guardian of Chaos YouTube channel you can, and on Instagram, uh, my all my social media, you can find. We just did the debut episode uh, following the 2021 New York Metropolitans. I'm a 45-year loyalist. Uh, I do my homework. I have some connections. We have expanded not just pro wrestling, which is my number one love, dedication, and passion. Number two is pro wrestling. Well, well, after my wife and my kids, they'll, they'll get pissed if I don't oh, say that's, that. That's, that's well, different. I gotta say that, right? <laughs> like, I gotta I say know. that. <laughs> I love yeah, professional it's, it's wrestling. Be an yeah. Are you a baseball man, say, uh, Professor? Uh, Boston Red Sox, but uh, the last couple of years... well, man. Yeah. I, I, I have been since I was a little kid. It was one of those things where uh my father's side of the family was just it's funny because my father's side of the family was all red sox fan my mother's side was all yankees fan being the italian american family so but i spent a lot of time at my, my father's side and that's how i uh that's how i ended up falling in love with the you know the the mid 80s mid to late 80s uh red sox and so that freaking incredible team that they had back then so i still well, follow maybe one day days, not so much. And, uh break down the 1986 World Series Mets and, and the Red Sox. That might be a there source. No. <laughs> I've had 30, what, 35 years to get over it. So, <laughs> whatever. Well, and not only that, Professor, the Red Sox have certainly come back and created quite the dynasty uh, in the 2000s. Yes. I mean, holy jeez. They've had some incredible games and some incredible teams there. Is uh, this a pro wrestling podcast? Have we talked anything about AEW? It was. <laughs> I think we talked about the main event last night and the NWA, and that was about all we did. Well, to finish off the, the main event, oh, listen, yeah. again, Baker with the top rope and, and the pile driver to Thunder Rosa gave her off the top rope through the table. It's incredible. Match. That was incredible. Roll her up for the pin, and, and Rosa wins. I mean, what an incredible bout last night. I could talk about this match for another 10 or 15 minutes with all the different back and forth. She pinned her outside the ring. One of the things I was thinking of today, and it hit me like midday afternoon. A lot of people are giving the NWA trouble saying that they don't have a roster or it's a depleted roster. There's only so many people left over. So a lot of guys honestly left. You know, Eli Drake went over to NXT. Uh, James Stormer's back in uh, TNA Impact or whatever. So one of the things is that what happens if Britt Baker crosses over and comes shows up on Sunday afternoon at the NWA pay-per-view? I would not be against that. I mean, the NWA's the NWA talent that is still contracted with them have been working everywhere. If you noticed, uh, Trevor Murdoch just defended the uh, national title at the SWE Fury show recently yes. as well. I'm a big SWE Fury fan. Uh, I do like what they're doing down there in SWE. Oh, it's incredible. Also, you know, speaking of, of the NWA, I think that maybe if Billy has been letting Thunder Rosa and you see the different people that, that have uh, gone to different organizations, what do you 
think speaking of NWA, what do you think of LA Knight and what Eli Drake is doing at NXT? The guy's incredible. I've always thought since his impact days, uh, even he actually started out in uh, was a championship wrestling from Hollywood, which was an NWA territory for a while in the uh, earlier 2000s when they started up. That guy's incredible. He's one of the, he's got he's the greatest character in professional wrestling. If, like he's definitely up there in one as one of the greatest characters. He can talk, he can control the crowd with the mic. He's funny. He's just. I don't know, man. I like that guy a lot. I'm glad that he's uh, showed up in NXT because, if anything, that guy deserves to be in the national spotlight. That guy's just incredible. I wasn't a huge fan of his to begin with, but he grew on me as Eli Drake. It took me a while. TNA and, and then NWA. He really is an unbelievable talent. We'll, we'll see how he transitions to NXT. There's been a lot of different talent jumping groups, as we've seen. Even Taya Valkyrie's gone from Impact over yep. to NXT. She's unbelievable. I even hear Jordan Grace. Her contract's up next month. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. No, it's very possible. But she also said that um, I just read in an interview, I think yesterday or today, that she said that she's she thinks Impact's uh, women's division is way better than WWE's, and that they really concentrate on women's wrestling and Impact. So who knows? I mean, she could resign or she could go to AEW. Either way. Whatever company lands her, they're going to be a lucky company because she's. If I'm she's Tony Khan, I throw everything but the kitchen sink to get Jordan Grace. That's yeah. just, and if she stays at Impact, listen, Impact, I get it. They don't have a major deal. It's, but they're getting the rub right now from New Japan, from AEW, like you said, from NWA. I like that these groups are all merging together. You see that Rich Swan. I know we're bouncing all over the place. Maybe you should title That's this okay. news, notes and rumors. Rich Swan beat Moose, which. I didn't agree with I was with shocked. Him. I, I was stunned. And now Swan is going to face Omega on April 24th. We could talk about that briefly because I wanted to, sure, I wanted to get this out, out on, on, a, on an episode. The match was incredible. I think Moose is, is a really great worker. The guy has come a, a long great way. Picture. He really has in the last like, year or so. Uh, Rich Swan is not to take anything away from him. He's going to go out there. He's going to put on a great match with Kenny Omega, but I just don't think he has that star power to go in there with Kenny Omega. That's just my personal opinion. I think he's a great worker, and they're going to have a good match. It's just not that star power for people to care enough. Well, I'll, I'll say that to say this, Professor. I like Rich Swan. He's an obviously an unbelievable athlete, but again, and, and again, maybe this is my old school part coming out. I want my heavyweight champion, the face of my yes. company, to be a guy that's going to be larger He's than like life. A- Rich Swan would be a great U.S. champion, intercontinental champion, maybe a small run as the heavyweight champion, but most since he turned heel. It's much more believable in it's my opinion it. to beat Kenny yeah. Omega than, than Swan. Nothing and I think they- Swan. Uh, nothing against guys like Jay Lethal and Jonathan Grisham. And, and I can go on and on with guys that I consider to be light heavyweights that don't fit the heavyweight championship in my view. Just saying. I I think that it, uh, I think Moose and Omega could have had a great match. And it's much more believable, in my opinion. Like, well, as far as like, Professor, maybe not technically. I think Swan will give a better, as you like to say, a better in-ring performance technically, right. but I think Moose would have been more of a threat Mo- to Moose her is, Omega. 
And Moose is and Moose, in my opinion, also has that star power. He's come into his own where it's like you I like I like I look forward to seeing him on my TV every week when I watch Impact. I really do like him. Like you said, he's come a long way and he's one of the better Impact originals, I guess you could say. And Impact does not have a lot of originals because it's just I've always considered Impact to be like purgatory for professional wrestling when they leave one company before they go to another. It's it's sad to say. But it's like I, I enjoy impact. I mean, I really do. I do. I do. Yeah, with the exception the that they've made a lot of bad decisions over the years, but they, they're they've got a lot of you know they're a good company. I think they're going to rebound right now. Demore Scott Demore and Don Callis are doing good things, hooking up with AEW. I'm just riding the wave on this, Del Santo. Yes, I am absolutely. not a negative guy in the business. No. If I see shit, the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm going to call it out Or if I'm surprised. I'm going to tell it like it is, but I'm going to keep it positive because I love the business, so I see the positive. But I'm going to tell it like it is. Speaking of that. How about the biggest upset I've seen in quite some time in the tag team division? Finn Juice goes over on the Good Brothers? I missed it. <laughs> I, I didn't catch the whole show, but that, that's amazing. Well, you don't need to that's, know anymore. Finn Juice coming over yeah. from New Japan. They used to be Ring Boys or or whatever they yeah. call them over there in, in Japanese. What, what do they call them? The Boys young or boys. the Young, young boys. boys, which is a culture yeah, thing for rookies over here in, in Greenhorns. For them to come into impact, and again, they're not large guys, but they're huge, they're great grapplers. Listen, Finley doesn't get any better. He comes from Fit Finley's loins. Juice exactly. Rocks went over to New Japan and made himself into a, a superstar. But to me, and I'm just going to say it again, it's not believable. I don't. I didn't buy it. Um, I think you're right about that. Because look at Gallows. The guy's an enormous like so and carl anderson i think is great i think that guy's carl awesome anderson but i think that good wrestler oh god yeah and i think the two the two of them they're a really good team together uh the good brothers but uh, like you said it's not believable one of the things i wanted to say about this is don Callis is doing his best work in the last 20 years right now as uh Kenny Omega's assistant or whatever he's doing ever since he was like Cyrus and ECW or whatever. And when he was the Jackal, he is doing his best work Part right now. Network. Yes. Yes. He's doing his best work right now. And I, that guy, I look forward to seeing on TV every week because he is, uh, he's just has me dying. And that segment that they did last week on AEW where they 69 in the middle of the ring was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh professor you like that but you don't like some of the entertainment that i like i would have thought well, you you would have turned the channel on no no i cracked up because it was just it, it <laughs> i did crack up at that because you gotta you have to watch the pay-per-view a couple days prior in order to get that joke because it was a dud you know all that well, fun you, stuff you you alluded to this and, and i agree with you about callus and what he's doing uh, I, I see good things for Impact moving forward. I just can't wait for the fans yeah. to get back. It, it has really missed everything, whether it be baseball or the other sport. Yeah. The fans are coming back. It's going to make things better. And, and just to transition back to AEW from last night and St. Patrick's Day Slam, you alluded to this. And give the fans your thought, and we'll break it down to open up hot on AEW, and they've been doing this now for several weeks in a row. I think it's smart to grab it away from NXT. They open up with a great match, whether it's Shaquille and Cody, and last night, Cody versus Penta. Cody. Break it down. 
I actually missed this show. I think I mentioned it in the beginning. This match. I, you I said you saw Cody and Penta. No, I wrote it down because I, I saw it. I, I actually tuned in right after this match. I think it was a kid's issue. Oh, well, let's, 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 let's skip on yeah. the Cody Penta match then. I, just, I just want to say Okay, and then the I have it right down here. Jade Cargill and Donnie, Danny Jordan. This is basically a squash, really, right? Listen, a belly to back suplex. Uh, yeah. She looks great. She rolled her over for the, a pin after the face first sit-out power bomb. Like you said, it was a squash match. Yeah, and that's something that I like that AEW is bringing that back, the squash matches, because it's like those need to happen to help get characters over, to get help get when we grew up in you know the 70s and 80s and the early 90s. Squash matches were a major thing in uh, professional wrestling on regular television, and they helped get the guys over. Well, it it builds builds your persona. It builds the character. It builds the storylines with with psychology and storytelling. And I couldn't agree with you more. I like that part of it. And if you've seen uh, a professor, they had red velvet in you know ringside. So there's more to be heard from there. Right. Um, One of the things I really did. She's all right. Tell she's me, okay. what, tell me what you think. Listen, obviously she's green. She's training at the Nightmare Factory. She needs a lot of work, but her physical appearance and her small amount of what she has shown. What do you see from her in the future? Based on physical appearance, I think she should go. She could go. Excuse me, really far in this business. She's a beautiful lady. She's got that build that she could be uh, just a you know. She could be a major star. Is she training with the Nightmare Factory? Is that what the story is? Correct. A, a lot of these guys are training with uh, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall down there right. at the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta. That's okay. where she came out of. They're about to launch a series to the night the the uh, the school. They're supposed to start having uh, basically YouTube specials where they they uh, feature their students on the. Well, they on have their... a talent down there. The Monster oh, yeah. Factory in New QT Jersey. QT thing. Yeah, I've watched a couple of their events. Now that guy, Danny Cage, you—I'm sure you read about this. They were—he uh, stopped an event last week where somebody was yelling out racist, uh, racist stuff over the weekend, over this past weekend. He said he's not going to tolerate it. Well, listen, I couldn't agree with the with with Cage any more than that. Anybody that comes out, listen. Not only is it wrong, morally, spiritually, emotionally, society-wise, and trying to be positive right. and move forward. Anyone who comes across with anything like that, listen, they always say don't don't talk to family and friends about politics and religion, and, and, I, and I agree with that, although we live and let live, and you should be able to say whatever you want and debate and move forward. You say anything when it comes to singling out a certain sector of the population, I don't care if it's male, female, transgender, a gay, whatever you want to call it, homosexual, whatever it is, skin color, race, you don't do it. I was saying this earlier, watching several things. I don't understand what people don't don't get. We're people. We're all the same. It doesn't fucking matter. Everybody stop trying to be different than who you are. And I, that's one thing that I get passionate and I say it on whatever show that I'm on. We're all the same people, professor. I don't right. get it. But we'll, get off that that. So, we'll, get, we'll get off that soapbox. I would MJF. get out. Exactly. I would have just tossed the guy out. He just stopped the show, said he's not going to tolerate it at the show. He gave out his number, said, if you want to talk about it, you can call me. 
He gave out his phone number, and then he just left the show. He let well, the show commence. The difference between telling someone, hey, listen, dude, we're not going to tolerate any sort of uh, a language, and you, you'll follow our rules here. We're not going to tolerate that. And then there's a right. difference between cancel culture, because I don't agree with that bullshit, cancel culture. Someone's like that. That's a whole other episode. That person, right. You address that person. That's don't a- ruin it for everybody else. It's just like right. don't paint any one person or any one race, color, creed, or culture with one broad stroke, because there's good and bad and everything. You address that person individually. I, I say that's just me. Right? They're bringing in this, and I'm just going to say this before we say start. it. This whole cancel culture thing is ruining shit that's been around for over a hundred years, if not more. Some of it I may agree with. If it's, it could be very sensitive. Everything's but, up for debate. Fucking cartoons, children's toys. Uh, you know, uh, what was the other thing? Cartoons, children's oh, toys, oh, some oh, other books, books. toys, children's everything, books. movies. I mean, yeah. People, I mean, ways of life. It's, it's just great. I could see if it's overly, if it's not so sensitive, because it was different. I mean, don't forget, there's also different times. Things were different. But books that I grew up with, Dr. Seuss, Pepe Le Pew, because he's grapey. I mean, come on, it's a cartoon. Yosemite, you got <laughs> fucking, you got a, the same dude in WWE doing the same thing. Was that the Angel Garza? Um, so you know, and you. Gotta, I'm sorry to get off topic here because we could no, do a a, 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 a pop yeah. culture show another time. <laughs> oh yeah, we could just go on and on about this. But anyways, it's like you know, you're ruining stuff that I liked as a kid, and I could still watch. That's what I say, and I'm not going to second guess it, Mister. And this whole Mister. Potato Head making it, uh, uh, you know, non-gender. Uh, I get it. Listen, Mr. when Mr. you bring in politics, religion, social justice, skin color, orientation, you bring all that stuff into sports or entertainment or into pro wrestling, you're ruining it for people. Keep it where it's supposed to be. This is supposed to be our escape. I understand people want platforms. You want to be influenced. Don't live right. it with your head buried in the sand. But there's a time and place. And don't do it where it's not wanted. With that being said, Professor, your thoughts on? MJF, the pinnacle. pinnacle. I'm going to tell you something. Holy shit, I have not heard Tully Blanchard speak that way. It's like, what, 1989, 1990? Holy shit, that guy still got it. That guy, that was one of the, I got to tell you, this, this whole segment was one of the highlights of last night's Dynamite. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was incredible. Well, and, Tully and, Blanchard could still talk. I mean, he really can. Oh my God! Got yeah. a promo like no, no other. Yeah. When was the last time? I think the last time I saw him, he, the closing days of the AWA. To be honest with you, I think his dad was there uh, as one of the, uh, not promoters, but one of the bookers there, and he he had come in because he he didn't get the job in WCW after he left WWF, but that guy could still talk. That's probably the last time I heard him uh, cut a promo that way. And MJF, that dude's on fire, man. What I like, this is what I took out of it. What Mm -hmm. I like is that if you remember back to the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair would take the mic. He was the main guy. We knew he was the guy. But then Arn Anderson took over, and he had his segment. And then it went to Tully Blanchard. But you knew who the guy was, what they did last night with Tully starting it off. And then MJF took over the microphone, and he ended the promo right in your face, what I would have liked to have seen. 
is maybe give the microphone to a couple of the other guys, FTR, or I don't know how good Wardlow is on the mic. I've only seen a little bit, but then you see him come up with the yeah. With the nicknames Ward Dog, Wardlow, Double S, the Chairman, Cash Money, and Dax the Axe. I like where they're going with it. The Pinnacle, okay. I guess I can accept the name. They've already made t shirts. I think they came out today, and I was not impressed because you know I would have jumped on it with those guys being involved. But and then I see you with a t shirt for every day of WrestleMania Challenge on Busted Open well, Radio. Yes, I'm actually. How many days today. in a row, it's Professor? Tomorrow, I think it's 47. Still got more. All the way up until April 11th. So I've been doing it. I'm trying to, to you know, if Dave could do it and Tommy could do it. Well, Tommy thinks probably got a thousand shirts. So <laughs> he's it's like that guy's t shirt collection every Wednesday when he pops up is hilarious. Uh, we have to guess his shirt, right? He's gotten yeah. some good ones. So now you're telling me that you've done it 47 days in a row and you still have 11 days left? Yep. Are you going to make it, Professor? I believe so. What I believe did you so. wear today for the WrestleMania challenge? Uh, more let's let's, let's check it out. Shirt. Or this Randy Savage shirt. Freak out. Oh, yeah. Snap it <laughs> to a Slim Jim. That's a great shirt, Professor. Uh, I am not wearing a WrestleMania Challenge shirt, but I am wearing, and you can see the logo, new website, new branding, same great product, and that would be my buddy, Mr. Heppel Stillskin over at SweetHeel.com. And if you're not following Sweet Heel CBD for all your CBD needs on Sweet Heel, I don't know what you're doing. Mr. Heppel Stillskin here on the PWZ, SweetHeel.com. Unbelievable. So what else? So what else you got, Big Daddy? Listen, Professor, we know that we're we're short on time here. We could just quickly go through that. Listen, the big nights that like the, like you said, the big things that came out of last yeah. night was the pinnacle and, and their venues and their promos and vignettes and right. getting the airplane all dressed up. It's just like the four horsemen. I'm interested to see where that goes. We talked about Rick Baker and Thunder Rosa. What an incredible match it was and what it's going to set up for the future. They need to build that women's division. That was a great way to start it. Cody and Penta, you didn't watch it, so I'm not going to break it down. We do know that Cody Rhodes went over in that match. It's a great bout. Go back and check it out. We're going to cover it. It was a great way to open. AEW's been open up hot to get the ratings, to get the viewers. I liked how That's they what you do. We can quickly just talk about that. Yes, go ahead. Because you asked me before, probably about 15, 20 minutes ago, it's always important to start with a barn burner, like something that's really good. The light heavyweights or, or just like a fast-paced match or something that's going to be really exciting and not make those fans click the channel to the other show now well, obviously that's what wednesday has been doing and i mean that that shack match went way better than i ever anticipated it to be <laughs> to be honest well, I, I covered that in chaos corner if you come to the channel uh, professor it really was a revolution to me and then dynamite the week before take the exploding barbed wire death match out of it it's been a very solid product hey listen it's not for everyone the leg slaps the whole nine yards the no rules but at least they're creating stars they're telling stories it's a viable alternative and and listen i i like it and speaking of that the next wwe guy that jumped over give me your thoughts professor give the fans your thoughts on a guy that i've happened to 
know personally, not like friends, but worked with in the locker rooms, been together before. What a beautiful picture of the NWA World Heavyweight title. And that would be one. Christian Cage was one of that one time. I was one of his peeps, uh, Professor. I didn't have a chance to meet him at a Northeast show when he was the NWA champion. He had his belt with him. Smart guy, him, Professor. Yeah, nice guy, dude. But um, I got to tell you, that did not overly excite me. Uh, Agreed. Good for him, Agreed. though. Because they really hyped it up like it was going to be a shocker. And... I mean, he was in the Rumble, what, uh, January? I, I thought that he was coming back. And he was. Uh, did they not make a contract? Obviously, did they not make him a full offer to come back, or did it just not work out? Well, uh, um, from what I understand, it, they weren't going to use him the way he wanted to walk out. A lot of people want to walk out uh, on their terms, which doesn't happen in the business for the most part. But why do you think the big show, Paul White, went over to AEW and then they add all Eagle Clinton Cage and bring in Christian Cage? They added three strong guys to the roster that are veterans. Uh, Ethan Page is undervalued and Christian Cage, in my opinion, hey, listen, he wasn't CM Cage. Punk, he wasn't Brock Lesnar, right. but he's a fucking Hall of Famer, Professor. It's my opinion. Christian Cage, like I said, it was a little underwhelming, but good for him because he could go there, teach a lot of these, help these a lot, a lot of these young guys out. You know, he can, he'll definitely give them that proverbial rub that you always talk about. You know what I mean? Because he's been in the business probably thirty years, right? He's been around forever. The guy could work his ass off. So, well, he know, hasn't been around. It's good for him. It's been seven years, Professor. It's been seven years. Seven yeah. years. So good for him, ultimately, that, that he, it's something that he deserves. He wanted to come back, and, you know, the option wasn't as good where he was. Now, Paul White, I didn't get to discuss this on this on the show at all. I thought he was going to be a lifer. I really honestly thought he was going to be a WWE lifer, and that shocked me more than anything that he uh, that he jumped. But And then I started reading the news, like, that he, you know, some of the offers that they were making him were just ridiculously low compared to, his previous offers, so he just said fuck it and just left. I don't know exactly how he got in touch with them or reached out to anybody, but you know, good for him too. Because if that's something, if you're going to be disrespected by your company, especially somebody that that guy's gone in there and did anything he's been asked since 1999 or 1998, and then you kind of get shit on when you're going to renegotiate your contract or a new contract. It's time to walk. So good for him if he if he's getting what he deserves or what he feels that he deserves. Well, I, I think it was a good move uh, by Paul White. Yes. And if you listen to Elevation uh, again, because I got a chance to go back and listen to it, he's not bad uh, in he the movie really either. For his first time, yeah, he was really good. He was really good. I was surprised. I didn't watch the whole thing. By the way, that match, the opening match, Danny Limelight and Jungle Boy, man, was that a great match? That was a really good match. So I just wanted to get that out. <laughs> so, well, listen, it's your show. It's PWZ. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question. Your thoughts on what came next on Dynamite on St. Patrick's Day Slam. Did you see Moxley and Kingston against the Good Brothers? I did. Uh, that was a little bit chaotic, you know. Uh, to it really the, uh, understatement. <laughs> to see that, um, you know, Eddie Kingston's, that guy's a champion. That guy's been around forever, and he's really... I love seeing him on national TV right now. I think it's incredible. It's incredible. The fact that he's like, um, he had his ass whooped. He's like, help me, get me back in the ring, trying to get himself back up in the ring so he can get, he didn't care that he was crippled. 
He just wanted to get back in there and fight. I really like what they're doing with the uh, Moxley Kingston as a team. I don't know if they're getting uh, – you think they're going to get it so it's going to end up being a swerve at some point down the road? Or are they just going to be brothers? Well, that's the one thing that I'll say about AEW uh, when it comes to the, the storytelling and the psychology. Sometimes they'll catch you off guard. I like what they're doing with Moxley and Kingston. Uh, uh, they were allies, uh, you know, foes. Now they're friends. Neither one of them are the greatest workers in the ring, but what they do have, Moxley and Kingston, is emotion, passion. They connect with the people. They're relatable. I like right. where they're going. They'll probably end up turning on each other again. They're not a true tag team, but I like that they're helping each other out as boys from the hood, so to street, so to speak. They know each other. But what does that say about the Good Brothers? They go from back to back nights. They lose to a Moxley and Kingston, who are not a true tag team. And, and listen, I get it. Uh, Mox inside cradle on Anderson for there was a lot of people in the ring. Double team moves, the whole nine yards. The Good Brothers dominated. They look strong, but they go from losing to a team that's not really a team, and then losing to Finn Juice, the the, the tag team titles. So the Good Guys Brothers are like a quarter, impact. yeah. And then all the, the the stuff that may be going on with the Bullet Club and maybe the Young Bucks that was on Dynamite last night, they may be turning. And if Gorillas of Destiny ever show up, it's all over, baby. And that's what I'm, I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. I think they're going to come in. At first, he thought that it was just kind of like I don't. I couldn't tell if they that was legit. He between the whole Bullet Club thing, the inner Bullet Club thing, but now I'm convinced that. Gorilla's Destiny are definitely going to come in. It's just once certain guys started showing up in uh, AEW that I'm convinced and I would love to see. It's only a matter of time when that thing happens. It's going to be amazing when they come in. And I think it's just going to be a whole nother level of awesomeness in AEW when, uh, when that happens. Well, not only that, if Omega can get away from the female Japanese stars, uh, with the exception of a few of them, and, and bring over guys so like they, they were, like, like and, uh, get Jeff Cobb. Could you imagine if they bring Jeff Cobb over and, and different guys like Ibushi and Kenta and Sonata? I mean, come on. We, we can really use those guys. Jeff Cobb wrestled, what, one match in AEW? Right, what? Two matches, I believe so. He came in. As a uh, as a special enforcer for the inner circle, and then wrestled the match like a week later, and then all of a sudden the world shut down and he was gone. That's a guy that I want to see in AEW. AEW, excuse me, on my TV because that guy, that guy could go far in that company. He really could. And then, like you said, the other uh, Japanese talent, Makota Ibushi, Okada, like all the big stars that can come over there. It's it's just. That would be just an incredible crossover. That would be very good for them to help the market. AEW in Japan, Japan into in the United States. And then throw uh, the impact, uh, the impact uh, effect as well. Yeah. I mean, all those countries, right. and who knows if they'll give NWA the rub. But before the G.O.D. or anything else happens with New Japan or, or the Bullet Club, so to speak, I see the Young Bucks having an issue. You see Omega was, the Bucks walked away last night. Omega was pissed. He walked off. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. And I think the Young Bucks are going to end up feuding. Uh, there with Omega and and maybe the Good Brothers, and you're going to see a big change. And I believe the Bullet Club is going to disband in AEW, or at least into factions. Just my opinion. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. Uh, it's it's they've been leading up to it, or is it just going to be a swerve? That's the other thing. Or is a that just going to be in AEW? There is, there is, because it's like they're building something up, and maybe they're just going to be like, oh, they're just going to turn. 
joined forces. You know what I mean? It's very possible. And then maybe that's when Gorilla's Destiny will show up. Who knows? There's just this so much. I really that wanted happened. to ask you, Professor. Uh, I really wanted to get to this so we don't run over time because I know you're on a tight schedule here at PWZ. And this is like my third uh, show of the day. What I want to get your take on and a couple of fans that I reached out to that knew I was going to be on your show tonight. They asked me to ask you your thoughts on the whole Sting and Darby Allen and Team Taz angle, even the cinematic match and what you saw last night on Dynamite. I feel about the cinematic stuff. It's not great it's not realistic a lot of it that one was okay um because they can edit it you're working with a guy that's what 62 years old Stan, yeah, 61 or 62 darby allen was responsible for most of that match creating exactly. you know yeah so they could edit it so he can really te technically go in there and do a couple moves and then they can edit it and make it look you know pretty good for sting's part excuse me so I didn't mind that match. Like, I've minded a lot of cinematic matches. Some of them just really get on my nerves. But that one was pretty decent for what it was. I like the team of Sting and Darby. I thought, obviously, didn't... Did you have a chance to work with Darby when he was... Uh, did work Evolve or no? Was no, but we were in the locker rooms. I got a chance to talk to Keith Lee, Darby Allen, and all the guys when it right. was Evolve 95 which was right. the uh, uh, Evolve Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling Super Show, Evolve 95, where Darby Allen got up on top of the backboard uh, there in, in the gym at JMMS and leaped on to, leapt on to all the guys, Darby Allen, and just being in that locker room back then. And every one of those guys has gone on to AEW or NXT back from Evolve Paradise 95. You could see the hunger. You could see what they wanted. You knew these guys were going to be future stars. And, and that's incredible. What I see coming out of that. Do you think you see that Cage paid homage to Sting last night? Do you think Cage is going to turn? I see that happening, and maybe well, Sting he just walked out. away from him. Yes, he walked away from him. So it has a lot of fans wondering: Is that his face turn right there? Uh, it's very possible because I was very confused. I was like, "Shit!" Like either way, he's a, he's a good heel and he's a good baby face. So he could he could pretty much. Obviously, he was the champion over an impact. It's a baby face, and he was pretty good at it, too. So I'm just really, like, I was pretty much shit, you know? Like, saying, hey, this could be really awesome if he's turning baby face. But is it too soon? That's the thing. I liked him and Taz together. And when they were just, just the two of them, I really liked them together. Well, it may not be happening as soon as the fans think or we think, because let's not forget, the Murder Hawk Monster and Jake the Snake Roberts are trying to That's get Sting's face right now. And I right. love that angle with Archer and Jake the Snake. What are they going to do? How are they going to do that? The Murder Hawk. Look how big he is compared to Darby Allen. If they, they're, which sounds like they're going to go for that match soon. Excuse well, me. look at Cage. Cage got in there with Sting, and Sting took it to his ass at 61 years old. So maybe it's going to be, maybe it's going to be the Murder Hawk and Sting, or I, I, I don't know, or maybe Darby Allen. Listen, he's a he's a wing nut. It's not believable if he was to go over on the Murder Hawk. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like they'd have to go in there. How they like? They'd have to have it if it was to go over. But there's just like a big brawl and. You know, Sting went after him or whatever, and then knocked him for the loop, and then Darby jumped on him or whatever. Because otherwise, the only thing you can do is have the Murder Hawk go out there and basically kill him. 
You when know, you see Cody, what Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan and everyone's doing there in the front office, they're working on two or three different angles at one time. You see that they're breaking up into different factions now, which I notice in AEWs now, whether it be Team Taz or the Inner Circle or now the Pinnacle, the Dark World Order, the Dark Order, if you will. We have different factions, the Gun Club. You know, you have... Uh, the, the, the Nightmare Factory. We have all these different factions in AEW. That's what I see coming out there.